Welcome to Dissecting Education, where we take a spherical look at the education landscape from many vantage points. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Hicks. Glad you're here with us today. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Dissecting Education. I am so excited today to be here with the president of Miami-Dade College, Madeline Pumariega. Breaking through barriers and making history, President Pumariega is the first female president to lead Miami-Dade College, the institution she attended decades earlier as a student athlete. Her passion for innovation and higher education was born out of her own experiences, first as a student and then as a longtime administrator at MDC. She prioritizes working with business partners to identify the skills needed in key industries and tailoring higher education programs to match those needs. Her transformative approach accelerates the ability of graduates to enter the workforce immediately upon completion of their coursework. Prior to becoming MDC's president, she was appointed the first female and Hispanic chancellor of the Florida college system. In that role, she designed and implemented strategies to keep college accessible and affordable for Floridians, especially in high demand job fields. During her tenure, several of the FCS's 28 colleges, which serve 800,000 students, rose in the rankings of the US, world and US News and World Report, as well as other national measures. All right, well, welcome and thank you so much for being here. Awesome to be here with you. So tell us a little bit about um, your role at, MD, at MDC, obviously president, and your vision and a little bit about MDC. Great. So um, I'll start with a little bit about Miami-Dade College. Uh, Miami-Dade College is the largest institution across the country. Um, we are certainly uh, the community's college. Uh, we offer programs from certificates to associates and to bachelors of applied science, those workforce degrees, which are so important. Uh, we serve about 120,000 students. We're Hispanic-serving institutions. 74% of our students are Hispanic. About 15% of our students are um, Black. And so we really do reflect and mirror our community, like most community colleges um, in America. In 2019, the Aspen Institute recognized Miami-Dade College as number one um, college um, in America, along with our friends just down the road at Indian River State College. And so we're incredibly proud of that. And I think another part about Miami-Dade College is we're not only the workforce engine for the community, but we're the cultural catalyst and engine for the community. Have lots of programs that support the arts and culture in Miami-Dade County, which I think is really important. If you're gonna be a world-class community, it's also grounded in that arts and culture from our book fair to film festival to museums. And so we're proud of that. I'm a product of Miami-Dade College. Um, I came to Miami-Dade College as a student athlete. I played basketball here, uh, like many of our students and community colleges transferred. And then I came back, I found my way back to Miami-Dade College and started really um, as an academic advisor and moved up the ranks, uh, spent 20 years at Miami-Dade College and then chose uh, to leave because my life's work had always been about making a difference and empowering others and led an organization called Take Stock in Children, which is a Florida organization that helps break the cycle of poverty uh, through mentorship and scholarship and hope. And then our led our system, the Florida College system is 28 other institutions, just like Miami-Dade throughout Florida, serving nearly 800,000 students. And I served as the chancellor in that role and um, then was wanted to get back on a campus and um, spent a little time at Tallahassee Community College, 
before I came uh, to Miami-Dade College as the fifth uh, president and the first female uh, president. So tell me about that. That is something that I, um, I, I love to talk to women who are become, you know, fill shoes that have traditionally only been filled by men. And how does that, um, how do you feel different about that? What do you feel that is unique about not just you, but um, well, you and you as a woman kind of two separate buckets, because we have our individual talents. And then we have these unique things that kind of bond us as women. Um, and how do you feel like you serve that role specific to those things? So I, you know, I was the first female and Hispanic chancellor. And so that was, you know, my first, and then now the first female, I, you know, I don't necessarily think the shoes change as leaders. And I think as female leaders, maybe the lens in which we see things may change or may be different. The way in which we approach um, our talent and our human capital to the way that we might um, approach the challenges in front of us. So I think it's not so much about the shoes. You don't really set out to be a trailblazer. Um, at least I didn't. Right. What you set out to do is really good work is to follow your purpose and, and your passion and leverage your talents uh, to be able to do good. And I think that when you do, um, you end up being recognized, right? And, and the timing and positions come into play. But I do think it is an awesome responsibility when you're the first at anything, uh, because everyone's looking at you. And for me, I just want to validate to everyone, it's the best decision to make, and that I'm followed by another woman. And, you know, as, as the first female and Hispanic chancellor for the Florida college system, I was then followed by uh, Chancellor Kathy Hebda, another woman. So that's great. And I hope, you know, at Miami-Dade College, um, I am followed by another woman that the way in which um, we lead as women, the results that we get done um, speak for themselves and that when there's a board making a decision, there's no hesitancy in ensuring and knowing and having the confidence that a woman can do it and can do it just as well and if not better and exceed all of the expectations. Right. Yeah, I do. I think that's a powerful message. It's also, you know, we, we hear this a lot, but I can't underscore the value of it, which is it is so inspirational to see people that look like you, whether that's gender or race um, or even interest level that, that, that you can see yourself in that position. So for, you know, so many women that move up and see you as a leader doing these great things with this you know, enormous institution that's really community-based um, to be inspired by that and think, okay, so that's an option for me, right? Where, you know, when you only see people of a certain color or people of um, a certain gender, you start to believe that's not for you automatically without actually pushing through. So it's so, that's why I think trailblazers are so powerful. Um, and like you said, even when you didn't plan to be, you just did the best you could and then doors opened and then uh, here's where we land. But I think that that's, that's so wonderful. I um, It's so true. Representation matters. It does. You know, and I like, I'm not sure who, but someone uh, may listen to this podcast, may watch an interview, uh, may see me in an article and say, I can be that. 
And I think that that's powerful. You don't really know who it is, but someone who sees themselves in you um, and is then inspired and sets that as a goal or sets that as a vision and then dreams it and believes it because they saw it is powerful. And um, I think that's why, like you're saying, you know, being the first and some things means that you're probably the first um, view of representation for a group of people who haven't seen themselves in that kind of a role. And I think that is um, powerful. Absolutely. So shifting gears just a little bit, tell me about what your kind of points of pride about your, um, about your institution and maybe about your career if it um, broader, like what are the things that you are, are most proud of? So I'm so proud of Miami-Dade College because it serves as the beacon of hope. We know here that opportunity changes everything. And I saw it firsthand. I got an opportunity as a student at Miami-Dade College, then an opportunity as a professional, and then to come back and lead it. And so I think that I'm, that's, I, the college is democracy's college. And I think the reason we are democracy's college is because we are that beacon of hope for so many in our community. Um, and that they can and change transform their lives through education. And that makes me incredibly proud of everyone that works at Miami-Dade College, everyone that comes every day and does this labor of love about growing people and making a difference in the lives of our students. And, and for that, I'm incredibly grateful um, to be leading the, the college during this time. And I'm incredibly grateful to our team at Miami-Dade College and proud of the work that we do every day and really our students. Um, they, they are amazing. There isn't a moment that I don't walk the campus, talk to a student, and they remind me every single day why I do this work, why it's been my life's work, how inspirational they are. They're balancing life hardships, but they know if they can stick with it, their life can be better on the other end. And I think that um, warms my heart every single day. It's, it's really good soul food for sure. Absolutely. I love the fact that you you know, had an opportunity to, to move on to the chancellor, uh, chancellorship and then, and do these great things from a system-wide perspective, but somewhere in your heart, you knew being on the campus has this extra meaning for you. I similarly have, you know, gone in and out of campus life, but in, there's a piece of me that will always love that experience of that, that opportunity to be, to have direct contact, like you said, walk across campus and just talk to a student. It's a special, special, um, reality to to be in so 100 um, percent. you know i loved walking the halls of the capitol and the florida department of education and you know working with the legislatures and the dedicated people at, at the department of education but i think there's no greater feeling than being on a college campus and and watching the students who come in every day uh to try to be better in their own lives you know and and to be able to contribute to that absolutely so on the flip side of that, what keeps you up at night? What are the things that you kind of most worry about for the institution, for your students, uh, for education, and maybe in general? You know, for me, it's the students we aren't reaching. So, you know, what keeps me up at night is who needs us that doesn't believe that they have a path here. For as much as we are open access and we accept everyone and everyone knows about Miami-Dade College, I know there's someone there in our community who thinks maybe they don't belong. Someone who thinks that maybe um, this isn't the time for them or maybe they can't. And so I think, um, 
you know, it wakes me up to make sure, are we reaching out to them? Are we doing everything that we can uh, to make sure that they have a sense of belonging and purpose and know that Miami-Dade can, is here for them and that MDC cares for them. So I think that's one aspect of it. You know, the second aspect of it, when you're leading an organization of 120,000 students, 7,000 full and part-time students, you feel the awesome responsibility of not only during a worldwide pandemic, physically taking care of them, but also fiscally, um, making sure that we make good fiscal sound decisions that really allow us to secure our future at Miami-Dade College. And those are things that also, you know, I... Uh, We'll wake up in the middle of the night and put a little note next to my uh, next to my bed to think about in the morning. Yeah, we're kindred souls in the late night notes, right? I can't sleep if I can't get it off my mind. At least yeah. I have it a, on a note. Or I email it to myself, but I, I stopped like emailing people at that time of the night. You know, I want people to rest. If you have employees that are resting and uh, are fired up in the morning, they're probably going to be a lot more productive than if they see an email from the president at you know 4 a.m. Yes, I'm sure they they very much appreciate it. But, uh, so yeah, emailing email emailing or note taking ourselves uh, for a more decent hour is always a good strategy for our own. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, not too long ago, I had the pleasure of interviewing um, Dr. Gonzalez from your Wilson campus. And we had a wonderful conversation about the way that that campus, specifically as a downtown campus, is um, integrating with the downtown community and particularly the, and I'm going to get this wrong, um, under rail, I think. The underlying. So underlying, uh, yes. Yeah, yes, there's yes. a community project, which is, you know, um, where our, our metro rail, which is kind of, you know, for Miami, we wouldn't have a subway. We would be somewhere <laughs> like a submarine. Um, <laughs> but it's over the top and, and connects our north and south communities. And so there's a great movement uh, going on and continuing to expand on how do you create more green spaces, more community and collaboration spaces. And um, the Wolfson campus is a partner in that from, you know, just being a thought leader and also uh, lending our creativity and the talent of our students and our faculty also uh, to engage in activities. Uh, we were just there the other night with Mayor Francis talking about uh, Francis Suarez is our city of Miami mayor and uh, probably a rock star right now in terms of attracting tech companies and startups to Miami. And he was there uh, talking about uh, the tech movement and along with our county commissioners and, and our mayor supporting that. So I think it's a, these are, that's the magic of the city. You know, Miami's called the magic city often because I think of the kind of um, diversity of thought, diversity of people and um, the engagement around in community. Yeah, absolutely. Are there other um, locations or other initiatives going on outside of the Wolfson campus that uh, are engaging in unique ways with the community? I know that there's always stuff going on, but any that um, any that you can think of that would be interesting to, to share. I mean, one of the greatest ones right now is our North Campus um, has served as a federal vaccination site. And we have vaccinated in excess of 300,000 individuals in our community. Wow. And so you think about community engagement, that's 
pretty big, right? For that sure. we have been that place where you can go. It wasn't with appointments. You could just show up and get your vaccine. And so I'm incredibly proud of the leadership team there. Um, and I think the last number I looked was like 320, 330,000 individuals have been vaccinated through the North Campus. And, you know, when I think about our medical center campus, um, the healthcare heroes, we're the, you know, the largest nursing program. We are working with our hospitals um, and developing partnerships. And I think just of what we're doing with community and health and wellness out of our medical center campus, pretty special. And our West campus has this great partnership with Tesla. And um, <laughs> we are graduating automotive technicians for Tesla. And I think about how that is setting the trend for the future of automotive technicians, which won't necessarily be with a wrench, but right. it's gonna be with a tablet or, or PC. And, and then our, our Kendall campuses, um, that's where our athletic teams are. And I'm so proud our um, men's baseball team just won the state championship and is gonna be competing uh, for the world championship at the World Series and our women's volleyball team won the volleyball championship and came third in nationals. And then, you know, as far south as we go, you know, you've got um, the Homestead campus and that community and what we're doing with scale up and entrepreneurship um, to our campuses embedded in their community. Like I think about the Hialeah campus and the difference it makes in the community with Cafecito Talk. It's a Cuban Cafecito Talk uh, with the president there. And, and uh, we just, um, uh, opened up new uh, science and student service labs over at the Padron campus. So every one of our campus is doing something special within the niche of their own um, community and what's happening in that community. Right. I love that so much. I, you know, like everything, uh, like they say, all politics is local, all education is local too. And it's wonderful when that is played out even at the college level. Like we think about that with K-12, obviously, um, but community colleges have always had a special place in my heart in terms of reaching, like you said, the kind of anyone full access, reaching everyone who wants to be reached, right? I mean, there is there is a place and a community. And when you take those campuses and you allow them to integrate with the community and really understand the community, then you can serve them better. And so I, I think that's always something. I spent um, two years down living in Miami and one of the things I always admired was was the diversity of the different campuses of Miami Dade College um, that we would encounter. I lived in different parts of the city, um, and and it really was a, a special connection. So I think that's awesome. So I'm going to shift gears for one uh, second again, and uh, I ask every guest this because it always ends up with an interesting conversation. But tell me about an early childhood education related memory that that stayed with you. Um, so I'll probably, I, I, I won't go with my Catholic school memory, right? And sister Patricia, um, but probably, you know, high school at Hialeah High, um, you know, Miss Edith Graham, um, she uh, was our economics uh, professor and, you know, that's the class you registered to vote. So I certainly learned about politics there, but she um, probably was the best 
teacher of note taking. And I think until the, till this day, I still use a highlighter, take notes, you know, um, on anything I'm doing. Now I think I just move it to a whiteboard and the team gets my whiteboard note taking experience on anything, whether we're doing strategic plan or budget or any of that. And then I think, you know, when I came to Miami-Dade College as a student, um, if you knew me, you probably knew I needed a little extra credit. And um, I was in a social environment course and Jackie Collier was the professor who said, you know, you could use a little extra credit on Saturday <laughs> where you walk a campaign. And I ended up walking a political campaign for someone who went on to win. And, um, you know, that I think gave me a little bit of that love for politics and political science. And so I think those are times. But I have to say that my mom um, was a teacher. Uh, she passed away in October. So I would I always think that um, a teacher's heart um, is really in the classroom and it's seen with her children, whether they're in the classroom or at home and being raised by a teacher is, you know, I remember sitting on the floor helping my mom check papers and put stars and stickers on paper and know like the impact um, that teachers make in a child's life and the sacrifices and the devotion that they have, because I saw it um, you know, right through my mother's eyes of uh, her, her love and compassion for her, her kids, for her students. Yeah, my, I was also raised by a teacher. My mom was a, a second grade teacher my entire life and 35 years, I think. And uh, I, I see it in the way she interacts with really any children, even far after her retirement. She still will sit down on the floor almost instinctually if there's a child there sitting on the floor to, to play, right? Because she knows that like get on their level and connect. And it is just kind of a special, um, a special way that they hold space for, for kids of all ages, really. Yeah. So to me, like that would probably be my first, right. <laughs> uh, my first teacher and favorite teacher and best teacher will always be my mom. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a special thing. And I, I think that the older I get, the more I appreciate, um, the kind, the kind of overlap between teacher and mother that is very special. So I think that's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. So tell me a little bit about your perspective on where we are at this moment in time after what we've been through. Where is kind of um, from the perspective of kind of your faculty, your staff, and also your students, where, where are they kind of emotionally and mentally? Are they, you know, how are they feeling in this moment after all of this, uh, the you know, pandemic and then coming in and out and trying to get back, uh, you know, as we all try to get back to whatever the new norm is? So I, I think there's optimism. I, I think that, you know, people are beginning to see that there's light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccinations, with our positivity rates low in our community. So I think there's one, that, that part of a sigh of we're going to get through this. Um, and I, I think the, the second aspect of it is um, we've really innovated, like we can't miss the moment that we did move into a virtual environment overnight that we continued that um, just a month ago and less than a month ago, we celebrated 14,000 students graduating from Miami-Dade College 
we had in-person graduation ceremonies at Marlins Park with um, students and their families um, came. And so you were reminded about how our community needs us and how our students need us and how we need them. So um, we're laying out, you know, the strategic priorities going forward. We have, I think, lots of opportunities. If you think about in Miami-Dade County, um, certainly talent around the technology. The one thing that, um, the pandemic did was accelerate the future of work. We were starting to plan and you were starting to hear things about the future of work 2025, the future of work 2030 and how, to, how automation's gonna impact it. It just accelerated it. Right. So, you know, as the workforce engine for our community, I think that there's an opportunity for us here to learn um, from from our innovations, scale those, align more of our programs to work and to what um, students need to get into that world of work will play an incredibly important role in economic recovery and success um, as we've played an important role as being that catalyst for workforce in our community. Um, we are, I think that students do want to get back to a campus experience. I think that some of them are going to appreciate taking a course or two on online because they took it and, and they realized, oh, this gives me another level of flexibility. Right. We also launched MDC Live, learning interactively in a virtual environment, which is like you and I are talking. Right. And I think that in a virtual place, it gives students also the flexibility, but the structure they need to be successful and the engagement with faculty and students. And I think we'll see students who are going to still love the face-to-face -face experience in our classrooms. And different from K-12 where you can say, this is the way we're going to deliver it. Okay. I think that for higher education, we now are going to have to be flexible in the way that we deliver it as students are trying to find their way back into their, their new normal, if you will, whether it's a work that's changed, whether, you know, taking care of kids has changed. Um, but I'm excited. I think it gives, it really accelerated uh, technology adoption and innovation in higher ed. Uh, we didn't have to do anything by the death of committee uh, because <laughs> we had to move fast. And I think that that's demonstrated we can do that. Yeah. And on the other side, continue to be that innovative uh, college that we're known to be. Yeah, I think that that point is especially important. The, the idea that, you know, out of necessity, you had to do things that you might have eventually got to, but not have, have done. And so now, you know, there's like a, a feeling of power, like, well, we had to do it and we did it and we did it successfully and we made that work. So it, it in some ways, it opens doors for other things that, that you want to get done and that might in the past might've felt, you know, more challenging, but, but once you've been through something, it's, it's like there's a power to say we've gotten through something before. We can do this. We can we can push through that boundary or that challenge and and that obstacle and and do what we think is innovative and and right. So I think that's amazing. We talked a little bit earlier um, with the Tesla example about um, about innovations that are happening in terms of the changing of the workforce. And I think you're spot on when you say that we've pushed past like longer term thinking into, or, or I should say, we've drugged longer term thinking into the now in terms of future of work, but what what other kind of innovations or, or um, types of, of workplace changes do you see that um, 
is taking place in your partners or in your programs or just with the demands of students? Any um, any other innovations that way? Yeah, I, th I think scaling um, stackable credentials, building in micro credentials, some of those micro credentials and badges can be in those, I like to call them future proof skills, not soft skills, right. design thinking, team building, communication. Those are things that employers more than ever right now need to see and have in employees that are coming in. I think the other aspect is the stackable credentials that not everyone's going to have maybe a four year uh, pathway to a university but that their uh, post-secondary credential is going to come through the door of a industry certification that then leads to a college credit certificate, which leads to an associate's degree, which then leads to a bachelor's. And I think the seamless um, articulation within the institution, not just only the seamless articulation with our transfer institutions, but even within our own institution through programs uh, with multiple entry and exit points. I think that um, is more and more we're seeing, especially with the rapid um, adoption of technology, the acceleration of automation as well. And when you look and think about what artificial intelligence is doing and how it's changing the way that we learn and the way that we work and the way that we play and sleep and everything else. So I think those are trends that are going to continue um, as the future of work, you know, is now and um, and creating those kinds of opportunities and partnerships and pathways that align uh, to the needs of, of our workforce partners and the needs to where the jobs are as well. Sure, absolutely. What is the, um, we mentioned tech um, and, and Mayor Francis bringing, you know, being a powerful um, magnet for bringing tech to Miami. What are some of the other key industries that your students that stay local, which I, I think a lot of students who attend community colleges to, do tend to stay local, they're already embedded in the community. What are some of the other key employment opportunities for, or labor, what's the labor market look like there for, for your graduates? So um, as you started, for sure, when we're looking at technology across sector, not just the tech industry, but pretty much every sector today, sure. whether it's cybersecurity, um, we have a great partnership with Amazon Web Services and those cloud complete cloud computing certifications, um, as well as help desk and tech support. You have that aspect. I think another um, you know, industry uh, that needs enormous support is healthcare. Uh, we're seeing that with our hospitals and um, you know, uh, physicians offices and clinics everywhere in terms of just more nurses, medical assistants, uh, CNAs, respiratory care therapists, of course. Um, Miami's always going to have trade and logistics. You know, it, we have, we've got a port and I think, you know, um, we serve as an important role in trade and logistics. And you'll see that, especially when, you know, our West campus out in the Doral area is such a strong magnet of import and export um, as well. So I think that emerges. You know, hospitality, while it took a hit, is coming back. Um, we were just um, in a meeting with our Economic Development Council here called the Beacon Council, and we were hearing from American Airlines that airport right now um, is close to 90% of where they were pre-pandemic. 
So um, travel and tourism is going to be an important role. And um, we certainly serve as an important uh, workforce and, and talent provider for our, our travel and tourism industry. And then, you know, you have all of these um, other emergent emergent ecosystems that come out of, of tech, you know, around digital marketing and branding um, with social media being such a conduit for how you are out there communicating. So we expect, you know, those are the areas and, and I'm sure um, there's a, a couple of more out there um, that we're developing on partnerships. We just signed a big partnership with IBM on artificial intelligence and working with SoftBank on data science. Um, our data science students, before they finish, are already being offered um, a job. And that's just not in a tech company. That's in all the sectors um, who today, you know, AI and data and big data is playing such a significant role of how they serve um, their clients, how they serve their customers. Um, again, interdisciplinary and cross-sector. Right. I do think that um, to your point about the both the stacking credentials and this labor and technology integrating everything, I think we've taken a huge step forward in breaking down some silos around around education, both in the way that you receive credentialing and and kind of obtain diplomas and degrees um, and credentials. And also this idea that, you know, tech is not just in a bubble somewhere where you're just creating an app or a, a you know, a fintech company, but really integrated in the entire, uh, in the entire labor force. There's nothing that tech doesn't touch. And the pandemic has certainly amplified that as, as so many businesses had to pivot to a more tech forward um, environment, even just how to make sure that their employees could communicate from a quarantine situation, not to mention the innovations that come up um, on a broader scale about how do we turn, you know, maybe this great widget that we build, but how do we make sure that it's integrated with perhaps an app on your phone or um, other software that it needs to talk to, or how do you track it or, you know, any of those things. So I think that's so powerful and such an important, important understanding of how it is so cross-sector for sure. Absolutely. I think, you know, technology integration um, is, you know, incredibly important, not only in modernizing our own institutions and higher education and education, but really then being that talent pipeline um, for, you know, industries uh, throughout, whether, again, the way that we do business has changed dramatically post-COVID. Who would have thought some of the things um, you would have thought there's no way a restaurant can ever serve food uh, without a server. Well, today you can walk up a touchless serve, get your food, right? I mean, just so many ways. Um, there, there are some things in retail that we'll probably never go back to um, or will always be a, a, another um, way in which we get those services. And I think they all kind of have one common thread. They were facilitated through technology. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and so... That's, that's why I think, you know, it's not just tech startups, but just the integration of technology and enterprise systems. Right, absolutely. So as we start to wrap up, um, what do you hope, kind of a, a philosophical question as, as we wrap, um, what do you hope to kind of leave as your legacy, not just at Miami Day College, but kind of in, in the, the robust career that you've had thus far and, and many more chapters to come, I'm sure. Um, what is the most important thing that you want to be known for personally? 
You know, I, I really think that the work we do changes lives. And so as a, as a leader, I want to make sure that what I leave is ways in which we can enhance and advance how we change lives. Um, whether it's innovating workforce programs that lead to someone to make, um, you know, livable, sustainable wages, and that changes their family uh, to a student who maybe walked on a college campus and because of the support services that we put together feels like they belong and that they can do it. And most importantly, that um, we create an environment at the college that our own folks, that we have a culture of care, um, that they feel empowered and inspired to change lives every day. I think that that's the ripples of what we can do when we're positive, when we're inclusive, um, you know, by everything that we do in terms of just um, listening to folks and, and creating a space for innovation and, and support and that culture of care, not only with our students, but also uh, with our team at Miami-Dade College. I think that's awesome. I, I really do echo that sentiment of, of when you are positive and inclusive and open, the doors will, you know, the doors will open up for making an impact. And sometimes, you know, we take for granted the little impacts that you can make every day, um, but they really do add up. Little impacts on every campus with every faculty, with a student, with a staff member who helps a student navigate their program, all of those things matter. And so I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been such a wonderful conversation. And thank you so much for teaching all of us more about Miami-Dade and sharing with us um, about you personally and about, about the college and um, all of the wonderful things that you're doing. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. This has been great. So um, thank you. Keep it up. Um, all of these are positive ripples. That's and right. if we all send out positive ripples into the world, we'll make the world a brighter and, and certainly shine our bright light in making a difference. So thank you so much. And it was really great being with you. Thanks. This has been Dissecting Education with your host, Dr. Melanie Hicks, a production of In Pursuit Research. Outcomes-driven, impact-focused. Thanks, and we'll see you on another episode soon.